young people, it's uh, kids' camp time, so uh, you can head on out to kids' camp. And uh, Joy's back there with a the whole crew of folks, so have a great time while the band takes a seat. All right, we uh, we are in step two in uh, in a message series, and uh, for those visiting with us this morning, uh, we're talking about that thing that the church always gets wrapped about, and uh, uh, that of course is money. You can say it in church; it's okay. Uh, but we're uh, trying to talk about this thing in a really healthy way because we know that right now out there in the world, it's, it's a turbulent time. You know that uh, you turn on the news and. You uh, listen to what's going on out there, and uh, it's not just churches talking about it. Uh, the world is captured by it right now. And so uh, we're talking about it in a way to try and help folks understand uh, how to deal with the uh, management of money, how to deal with this thing called money and to understand it from God's perspectives. And if you do that, you can discover a peace that the world doesn't understand, that you can discover a peace even in the midst of these turbulent times. Last week was the first one. We laid some groundwork stuff. And uh, fundamentally, last week we said, hey, it starts here. You need to understand that God owns everything, that you don't. That God is the owner of everything. And the incredible good news for us is the God who owns the universe loves each one of you and wants to bring everything you need in abundance into your life. And so it's really a release for us to just simply understand that, look, God is the one who owns absolutely everything, and that same God wants to make sure we're provided for. Uh, So it's just a fundamental truth we need to understand. And if we understand that truth, that God is the owner of everything, God is the one who brings everything into our life, then our role changes, and we become the stewards, the managers of everything that God brings into our life. And if we're going to be the stewards and managers of that resource called money that God brings into our life, we need to be able to manage that in a way that is compatible with God's purposes and God's principles. Right? Is that a pretty good summary of what we did last week? All right, you're all shaking your head and you're also saying, geez, he did that in like three minutes and he sat here for a half hour last week. What's the deal, right? Yeah, well, sorry. Um, But anyway, we'll move forward today uh, and try to get into some very practical things then about some some biblical principles about being good stewards, about managing whatever God brings into uh, your life. And we need to do this because the world won't teach you these things. At least the world isn't practicing uh, these things. And we need to practice these things so that we can have that peace in turbulent times. And remember... We need to do this because now is a great opportunity for us. It's a great opportunity for us to practice this, to shine before others and help them see how when you follow God's principles, life can be incredible. Okay, And this is just a great opportunity for us right now in the world. Why? 70% of Americans live paycheck to paycheck. 70% of the people out there are just living paycheck to paycheck to paycheck. Whatever comes in, it goes out. It just comes in and it goes out. And it just comes in and it goes out. It is kind of a worldly principle out there uh, that the reality is when it comes to money in people's life, whatever comes in, whatever you make, it will just go out. Okay? Unless, unless you apply God's principles and you become the manager of the money and not the money, the manager of you. It's a huge difference there. 
What we're going to talk about today is how you become that steward who manages the blessings that God brings into your life. First thing you need to do as a steward. Number one is you need to know what you have and you need to know where it's going. See, you need to take stock and know what is it that God is bringing into my life. And specifically, you need to know, okay, what is my income? How much blessing in, in money and in financial resources is God bringing into my life? And once you know how much He's bringing in, you also need to know where's it going? How am I managing this stuff? Where is this money exiting from my life? Let me take you to a verse. It's uh, Proverbs 27. Proverbs 27 says, Be diligent to know the state of your flocks and look well to your herds, for riches are not forever. You see how Proverbs is calling you to know what you got? It's calling you to know what you got. So what's the flock like? What are the herds like here? Take stock. What it's really talking about is that B word. In financial terms, the B word is budget. Everybody right now goes, oh, budget, right? Yeah, but that's part of taking stock. It's saying, look, what kind of resources, what kind of blessing is God bringing into my life? Know how much you're worth. Know what your net worth is. Know how much you're bringing in every month. You've got to get a handle on what God is bringing into your life. And once you get a handle on what God's bringing into your life, then you have to make a plan for how you're going to manage that money, that resource that God plants in your life for it to go out. You manage how it goes out. Okay? You need a verse supporting that. It's Proverbs 21. Proverbs 21 says, If you plan and work hard, you will have what? Plenty? This is a good thing, right? All shake your heads and say, yes, this is a good thing, right? This is a good thing. If you work hard and you plan there, you're going to have plenty. That's the positive side of the verse. But to have the plenty, you have to do the first two things. You've got to plan and you've got to work the plan, right? Now, notice, notice the opposite. The opposite is, if you get in a hurry, you will end up poor. See that? If you get in a hurry, meaning if you don't manage it, if, if you don't pay any attention to what's coming in and where it's going, if you just go through what most of the world's doing, it's going to come in and it's going to go out. It's going to come in and it's going to go out. And you're just going to be managed by the process of your money instead of you being the steward God's called you to be and managing the money itself. It's just the way it is. It's a rule of the world. So you've got to figure out the plan, and then you've got to work the plan. And when you figure out the plan and you work the plan, you have the opportunity to experience plenty, abundance. Once you figure out the plan, the hardest part is you have to be ready and committed because God wants you to, to live within the boundaries of the plan. Once you know how much is coming in, once you know how God wants you to manage these resources that He's brought into your life, and you've got the plan of how it's going to go out, and you're managing that money, you have to live within the boundaries of that plan. Proverbs 21 says, The wise have wealth and luxury, but fools spend whatever they get. You see, it's that little spot at the grocery store, which is right before you go to the checkout counter. 
and they got all the candy bars and the magazines and, you know, all those little trinket stuff. And what happens, Mom, when you go there and you have your child with you? And, and what is the inclination of your child at that particular spot? Or at least you see other children do it. Grab that stuff. It's like, oh, I want that. Oh, I want that. It's called impulse buying, right? Impulse buying. Some of you are smiling and looking at each other now because you know that's true, right? And that's what the world counts on. See, the world doesn't want us to follow these principles. The world wants us to be like the rest of them and just be impulse buyers. Just take what God brings in and then figure out, oh, let's just go do this. Let's go do that. And we just go according to our emotions instead of according to the wisdom that God has. Some of you may have watched old movies and you know the actor Errol Flynn. You know, flamboyant Errol Flynn, right? Here's a quote from Errol Flynn when it comes to money. He says, My problem comes in reconciling my gross habits with my net income. Isn't that a great line? He's not alone in that problem. He's not alone in that problem. See, once you figure out what God's bringing into your life and you create that plan to be a good steward and manage how your money goes out, you need to confine yourself to the boundaries of that plan. And you need to know while you're doing that, God is watching. God is watching and taking note of what kind of stewards we are. If you go into Luke 16, Jesus is teaching uh, his disciples. He's telling a parable. And he summarizes the point of the parable down in the 10th verse and onward. He says, Anyone who can be trusted in little matters can also be trusted in important matters. But anyone who is dishonest in little matters will be dishonest in important matters. If you cannot be trusted with this wicked wealth, who will trust you with true wealth? What's he telling us? God is watching. Some of you are young out there and you're at the beginning of your kind of income opportunities and you're saying, man, but you don't understand. I just don't make enough. I just don't have enough. No, you do. What you got to do is change your understanding and understand, look, God is bringing into your life everything you need right now in your life. And he's encouraging you to learn right now with what you have how to manage that. And as you manage the little and you live inside the boundaries of managing what seems like to you the little, God is able to expand your boundaries. As you grow in being able to fine-tune your abilities as a steward to manage wherever you are in your life right now, the better you grow at that, the more God is able to expand your boundaries. And if you can't manage little, of course the question is, how can God trust you with more? The point for us is to make sure that we know what's coming in and we know what's going out so that we manage what God brings to us and not let the money manage us. You with me so far? All right. Uh, Second thing. When you're managing these resources, this money that's coming into your life, you have to make this a priority in your life uh, if you're in this situation, and I suspect many, many are, if you're like the world. You've got to dump your debt, okay? You've got to dump your debt. 
Uh, now, before I start this, I, you know, I shared this at first service, and afterwards somebody came up to me and said, well, Pastor, if we've got to dump our debt, how come we're borrowing all this money to build a new church? Uh, well, you know what? Uh, debt is reality in life, and it can be a useful tool. But you've got to manage your debt and not let your debt manage you. And I can tell you right now, one of the first things we're going to do is, one, we're going to try to keep our debt as low as we can in that new building, and number two, as soon as we're in, we're going to start attacking that debt. Uh, because you're going to see here, God hates debt. He just hates debt. Uh, debt is one of the most wasteful things, and it's a power that can get into our lives. If you look at Proverbs 22, Proverbs 22 says, Those who borrow are slaves of money lenders. What happens with debt? Debt can enslave you. Debt can take over your life. And when it enslaves you, it begins to infiltrate into the other parts of your life. You get into too much debt, you can't handle this debt stuff, guess what's going to happen? You're going to have problems in your marriage because it's going to become a flashpoint in your marriage. Debt gets into your life, it's going to filter into your other relationships, it's going to mar the way you manage your money. you got to attack debt and just dump your debt. Right now, the average American has $9,000 worth of credit card debt. Isn't that amazing? $9,000 in credit card debt. Let me give you a scenario. If you were Ellen, who is 30 years old, Ellen is 30 years old, she has a credit card with a total debt amount of $3,500. Ellen is being charged 18% interest right now. She pays the minimum payment on that debt every month. Now, she is 30 years old. If she continues to pay only the minimum payment every month, how old do you suppose she'll be on the day she actually pays off that $3,500 credit card debt? Any guesses? Nope, more than that. 70 years old. 70 years old. You see, that's how powerful debt is. Right? It's just this powerful thing. Give you another scenario. Susan and Tom, they need a new washing machine. So they go to Sears and they find one on sale. It is a fantastic bargain at $299. They buy it. And because they buy it at Sears, if they take out a Sears charge card, they can save even a little bit more. They do. They take out the Sears charge card. They put the washing machine on that Sears charge card. And they pay the minimum payment every single month. By the time they get to the end and they pay off the washing machine, the washing machine will have cost them $1,199. Expensive washing machine? You see, you've got to watch out because debt has an incredible power. You also have to watch out because the world out there knows that we're inclined to give in to that power. So we have things out there, and it's all over the place right now, right? Just buy it now. You don't have to pay for it for 90 days. Or buy it now. You don't have to pay for it till 2010. You've seen those? Yeah. Do you know on those, like, those they did a study on those 90-day things, you know, buy it now. You don't have to pay for it for 90 days. Get it free for 90 days. Do you know that 70% of the people who do that don't pay it off in 90 days? When they don't pay it off in 90 days, they start paying interest from the day they bought it. 
See how powerful that is? See, we have to understand if we're going to be good money managers according to God's principles, debt is not something God likes. God hates debt because it gets us in a position of using His precious resources in a wasteful way. God hates debt, so you need to attack your debt. Psalm 37 says, An evil person borrows and never pays back. See, what you need to do is just resolve yourself to be that money manager that God wants you to be and get control, make the plan, control what's coming in and control what's going out and control, first and foremost, attacking any debt you have. There's a simple plan. It's called a rollover plan. If you've got, you know, five credit cards out there and you've got sums that you owe on all five of those credit cards, you just line them all up and you start with the, uh, the least amount. The one that's the least, you just start paying that one off. You pay as much as you can pay every month to knock that thing out. Once you get done with number one and you've paid that off, you feel pretty good. You take the amount that you've been paying on that one and you apply it to the second one along with the minimum payment that you've already been making to the second one. With me so far? Mm-hmm. You attack that, you attack that, you attack that, you pay it off. Then you go to the third one and you take the amount that you've been paying on the first one, second one, and you apply that one to the third one along with the minimum payment that you've been paying there and you attack it, you attack it, and you wipe it out. You see the process? You keep taking what you've been doing and you keep rolling it over to the next one, to the next one, to the next one, and you get rid of, get rid of that debt. Let me give you a, an instance from Scripture that shows how God wants us to attack debt. Uh, if you go into Second uh, Kings, there's the experience with the prophet Elijah. Uh, there's a woman who is a widow. She has some children, and she is in real financial straits. And that's what happened back then to women who uh, lost their husbands and sons weren't old enough to, to carry the financial burden. She's in real financial straits. Uh, the prophet Elijah comes into her life. She knows that the owner of her home is coming to collect the rent that is back due, back due, back due, and back due to the point that the owner is on the way to the house to evict her from her house. So she appeals to the prophet Elijah for help. Elisha tells her uh, to, to do an act of faith. He says, here's what you need to do. You need to get your sons and send them out to collect as many empty jars as they can. She does. Without question, she sends the boys out. They go out and they collect as many empty jars as they can. Then Elijah says, now in your house you have one small jar of oil. What you need to do is take that jar of oil and from that jar begin filling all the empty jars. In an act of faith, she does. And lo and behold, out of that small jar of oil, more oil just keeps pouring and she fills all all of the jars that those sons have collected. Now, here's the instruction that Elijah gives her now that she's got all this oil. After she told Elijah what had happened, he said, sell the oil and use part of the money to pay what you owe the man. You and your sons can live on what is left. What's the first priority? Get rid of the debt. You see that? Get rid of the debt. He didn't say, hey, oh, wow, you got all that oil. Cash that puppy in and go to Disney World. No, cash it in, get rid of the debt, and then you live on the rest. See how it works? 
God wants us to be a people who manage our resources, and that means we're a people who understand the power that debt has. And you need to be willing and able to attack your debt. Paul says in Romans 13, here's the only debt that we ought to uh, work for in our life. Let love be your only debt. See that? That's the only debt we need in our life. Other than that, we need to be stewards who manage our resources in a way that just simply attacks that debt. Does that mean you're going to have to change your lifestyle? Could be. Could be. Remember, you're going to have to learn within, live within the boundaries of what God's bringing into your life. That means you have to learn contentment. You have to learn to be content that God is providing for you right now everything that you need at this point in your life. And that whatever God is bringing into your life, whatever He's providing for you, that's what you have to use, and you just learn to be content. Now, let me give you some verses. Ecclesiastes 5 says, If you love money and wealth, you'll never be satisfied with what you have. This doesn't make any sense. That's pretty cool when the Bible says that, right? doesn't make any sense. Here's what it's trying to say in, in common terms. Have you heard the phrase, keep up with the Joneses? Yeah. You know, the goal of the world is, ah, got to keep up with the Joneses, right? The reality is you don't want to keep up with the Joneses because in today's world, they're in hock up to their eyeballs. Take that out. See, what you need to do is just learn to be content that God, the owner of all things, is bringing incredible things into your life, whether it's little or whether it's much, and He's looking to you to be the steward and manager of that according to His purposes and His principles. And as you do that, God is going to expand your boundaries, and He will continue to provide for you. And you need to learn to be content in just understanding that God is great enough to provide. God is great enough to provide. Ecclesiastes 6 says, it's better to enjoy what we have than to always want something else because that makes no sense than chasing the wind. Or Hebrews 13, if you need New Testament, don't fall in love with money. Be satisfied with what you have. The Lord has promised that He will not leave us or desert us. See how Hebrews is encouraging us just to Remember, God's promise is the value. That's the most important thing. Just be content with what God's bringing into your life right now. The greatest example of that for us is the Apostle Paul. Do you know that guy? Uh, I mean, he had an up-and-down life from shipwrecks, prisons, beatings, to, to being in people's homes and having the church flourish. His life was always moving. He says in Philippians 4, I'm not complaining about having too little. I've learned to be satisfied with whatever I have. I know what it is to be poor or to have plenty. And I've lived under all kinds of conditions. I know what it means to be full or to be hungry, to have too much or to have too little. Christ gives me the strength to face anything. Isn't that awesome? That's the goal, for us to be the stewards and managers who can just be content and understand that God will unfold more in our life as we show Him we are faithful. All right, one of the places you need to show Him to be faithful, another principle, you need to save. God loves a saver. I mean, after all, He wants us to go save people, right? God loves saving. This is a good thing. 
It also applies to our money, that God loves a saver. You need to save and make a goal as you manage the, the, the gifts that God brings in your life that you're going to save at least 10% of everything that comes in. 10% is a good number. We're going to talk about that next week too. But you need to save 10%. Look at Proverbs 27. It says, don't brag about tomorrow. Each day brings its own. See, you don't know what kind of surprise is in store for you tomorrow or the next day or the next day. It may be a great surprise of abundance. But it may be a great disappointing surprise that challenges your financial world. Good managers, good stewards, what God wants us to do is to make sure in our plan is not just a plan about spending, but also a plan for saving. You need to be able to save at least three percent, at least 10% every month into the bank or some vehicle uh, of savings and make it your goal. Make it your goal to have at least six months of whatever your income is monthly to have at least six month of, months of that income in obtainable assets. I use the phrase there, obtainable assets, right? That means your house is not an obtainable asset. It may take you three years to sell it in today's market. You need to have an obtainable asset, okay? Uh, 49% uh, of the people out there in the world, if they would lose their income, they would not have income for next month. Isn't that incredible? That's almost 50% of the people out there. That if they would lose their income in one month, they wouldn't have enough income to live the next month. We need to be people who show the world how to be managers. Look at Proverbs 13. It says, Dishonest money dwindles away, but whoever gathers money little by little makes it grow. Isn't that great? This is the biblical principle of compound interest. It's the biblical principle of compound interest. It's saying, look, make sure you save and let God grow that part of your life too. Uh, the reality is that uh, 80% of people make the mis mistaken belief that when they get to retirement, their standard of living is going to go up. 80% of the people think, well, I'm going to retire. Standard of living is going to go up. And the reality is if you don't plan the way God wants you to, it won't because your boundaries are still going to be way back here, right? So suffice to say, give you some principles. Are these all the principles that are in the Bible? No, they're not. There are a lot more principles about how to manage uh, your resources. The final point I'd make for you this morning is you need to, after today, really just go home and pray and ask God to give you direction and get ready to study those biblical principles, because the truth is still the same. Where we started last week, remember, God is rich, God is wealthy, and God wants to bring abundance into your life. But you've got to manage what he brings into your life when it's little in a, in a way that's compatible with his purposes and his principles. And when you do that, then God can begin to expand your boundaries. There's more principles. The reason uh, I bring that up is we want to, at Christ Church, give you as many of those principles as we can. You can't do it on Sunday morning. So what we're going to do is we're going to sponsor something called uh, Financial Peace University by a great uh, financial guy and teacher called Dave Ramsey. Any of you heard of Dave Ramsey? Yes. Some believers in the house, I hope. Yeah, guy's just awesome. Uh, he teaches according to biblical principles. So if this is touching your heart, this whole series is touching your heart, you say, you know what? 
I'm convicted that God wants me to be a better steward, um, we're going to offer this uh, opportunity for you uh, starting in uh, February, I think it is. So why don't you watch the screen for a minute, and uh, just maybe it'll touch your heart and give you an example. And then uh, Terry's going to talk to you a minute and tell you about financial peace. Uh, good morning. Uh, my name is Terry Brennan. I happen to be uh, going to be the coordinator of this class coming up in February. Uh, I learned about Financial Peace University about six months ago or so, and I completed the course uh, through Trinity Lutheran Church in Cedarburg. And my wife and I finished it in December, early December. I can tell you this works. This is an absolutely awesome program if you follow Dave's guidelines and, and follows his instructions. It is a 13-week program, and we will be meeting here at church on February 15th at 6 p.m. in the evening uh, to go through his Financial Peace University. It's not a get-rich you know, type of scheme. Um, it's a process. Uh, Lori and I went through this process, and I can tell you um, the $5,300 in debt that uh, they you know, referred to, uh, Lori and I paid off that and more in just an extremely short period of time. So it does work if you set up a budget and follow the principles. Um, Dave, Dave talks, talks to you about investing. Uh, he tells you how to pay off your debt, um, save for college, and again, that infamous B word of setting up a budget. Um, I can tell you with Lori and I, again, it's given us so much peace in our lives. Uh, knowing that we're now in control of our money rather than the money being in control of us. And the relationship that it's, you know, between Lori and I, our just personal relationship has changed. You know, it's made us closer, and it's actually uh, just made us closer <laughs> and able to control our money much better. Um, again, you know, Dave does this through common sense technique, but the, w- the one thing that I really enjoyed was the biblical side of this, the biblical teachings of this. And if you were here last week and today and next week, you'll hear more about, you know, God's way of wanting us to manage our money. 
Um, the one thing I think that is also important, and we're going to look at this in the future and definitely have a class, is teaching our kids how to handle money. Uh, there isn't really any class out there that I'm aware of in the high schools that probably teach what Dave teaches, and we will be looking at offering to this to the teenagers, and we'll see about going a little bit younger than that also. Um, and the other thing is, it's given us hope, you know, <clears throat> as a family, because I don't think there's too many people out there that weren't in our position. And I, I asked for a raise of hands. I bet you I would see that probably about seven out of ten people, you know, are in the same situation, you know, living from paycheck to paycheck and trying to figure out where the heck did all that money go at the end of the month? You know, it just flies out the door, and we just don't have control of it. Um, so it's given us hope, and uh, it will definitely improve our lives, and uh, I, I think it's a great program. So we're off in a preview next week and the week after. It's going to be in between services. It's a 25-minute uh, preview that we'll have in the back, and uh, there is information on the table in the back. I'll be there after church to certainly talk to anybody about it. I encourage you as a family, if you know anybody, to take some information and, uh, you know, get it out there and spread the word. And uh, class is filling up very fast. So, very good. Thanks, Terry. Awesome. We're about changing lives. It only happens when we let God take over and manage our lives and control our lives, give us that purpose. So, uh, encourage you. Uh, pray over it, and uh, if this is part of the, the place in your life that, you know, God just needs to take total control, here's a vehicle for you. Let's pray this morning. Father, we do come to you, and uh, it's one of those things we don't talk about, <laughs> this money thing and debt and all that managing stuff, and uh, yet we know that each of us uh, live in a real world, and we have to do it. And uh, you give us such incredible blessings, and you promise us that you'll provide us in abundance and uh, we just ask now that you would uh, lead each each of us according to uh, whatever it is we need to know this morning and that uh, you just need to just break into our hearts. And uh, we ask for your blessing upon the, the effort of Financial Peace University and we ask for your blessing on the message today and that it would take root because uh, we know that uh, you can just raise us up to live incredible lives. And we don't want to be like the world we want to be like Jesus Christ. We thank you. We praise you for all your goodness, for what you bring into life, the promises you make over each one of us. And we ask now, just mold us and shape us to be more like your son. It's in his precious name we pray. Amen.